Good day and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Yom China third quarter 2021 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Michelle Shen. Thank you. Please go ahead. Thank you, Lyndon. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining Yam China's third quarter 2021 earnings conference call. Joining us on today's call are our CEO, Ms. Joey Watt, and our CFO, Ms. Andy Yong. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that our earnings call and investor presentations contain forward-looking statements which are subject to future events and uncertainties. Our actual results may differ materially from these forward-looking statements. All forward-looking statements should be considered in conjunction with the cautionary statement in our earnings release and the risk factors included in our filings with the SEC. This call also includes certain non-GAAP financial measures. You should carefully consider the comparable GAAP measures, reconciliation of non-GAAP and GAAP measures is included in our earnings release. Today's call includes three sections. Joey will provide an update regarding recent developments and our third quarter 2021 results. Andy will then cover the financial performance in greater detail. Finally, we will open the call to questions. You can find the webcast of this call in the PowerPoint presentation, which contains operational and financial information for the quarter on our IR website. Now I would like to turn the call over to Ms. Joey Watt, CEO of Yum China. Joey? Thank you, Michelle. Hello, everyone, and uh, thank you for joining us today. As we shared in mid-September, we navigate a very challenging situation in the third quarter. The Delta variant outbreak that started in late July spread to 16 provinces became the most widely spread regional outbreak since the first quarter of 2020. Strict public health measures were implemented across the country. Trading was significantly impacted during the peak summer season, which is traditionally a very strong quarter for our business. Simple sales declined by 7% in the quarter as demand fell for dying, although this was partially offset by growth in delivery. I want to take a minute to thank our 440,000 employees for working diligently and rapidly finding solutions in this fluid situation. In response to the sharp decline in dying traffic, we quickly adjust marketing campaigns, operations, and supply chain to drive demand for all premise. Delivery sales grew 23% year over year, or 62% on a two-year basis and contribute approximately 34% of sales in, in the third quarter. New retail business grew rapidly, with sales in the third quarter almost equal to the first two quarters combined. Our ability to engage customers digitally was essential during this difficult time. In the third quarter, over 60% of system sales came from members. We add about another 20 million members ending the period with a total member count of over 350 million. We sold 19 million privileged subscriptions, including the popular KFC Chicken Lovers card, Wanza card, uh, which is a summer exclusive. Having taken important initiatives to drive sales, we saw a sequential recovery in September. For the quarter, system sales growth was positive compared to last year and to pre-COVID. New unit growth more than offset the same store sales decline. We broke records by opening 524 new stores, ending the quarter with 11,415 stores. However, we do not compromise quality or quantity. We have prudent new store approval process and carefully track the performance of each new store. New store payback remains healthy at around two years at KFC and three years at Pizza Hut. Our smaller store formats enable us to increase store density in higher tier cities 
and further penetrate into lower tier cities with lower capex and rent. Let me um, provide some color on our key brands. First, KFC. We step up value and promotional campaigns to drive traffic, and we introduce great food items. Juicy whole chicken was sold out within a week. Our meat sauce Wagyu or Angus beef burger also proved popular. Our premium beef burgers have been very successful since becoming permanent menu items. We are building a beef burger platform covering different price points. We're taking menu innovation and localization to the next level, following the success of hot dry noodles, Le Gamien, in Wuhan. We wrote that out nationwide in September. In a week of launching, we sold over 1 million bowls. It's the best performing limited time over breakfast item in the past three years. We also introduced steamed dumplings, xiaolongbao, to more stores in eastern China. More recently, we launched hot pepper soup, the very famous hu la tang in Henan. All of these are very well received by our customers. KFC has added nearly 1,000 stores and entered 150 new cities over the past 12 months. As we mentioned during the investor day, we are now tracking 1,200 potential cities that we could enter in the future with multiple store formats. Next, let's talk about Pizza Hut. Years of transformation has, proved, has improved Pizza Hut's fundamentals and resilience. In the third quarter, Pizza Hut opened 103 stores, the highest number of store openings in a quarter since 2016. Satellite stores and other smaller formats accounted for over 70% of the new stores and enable us to capture the strong demand for delivery with higher store density. We upgrade our buy one, get one pizza promotion. For the free second pizza, customers were given more flexibility to choose when, where, and what pizza they, they would like to have. This mechanism was a breakthrough for us, enabled by our upgrade digital platform. The promotion was exciting for customers and create sales uplift for us. During this 10-day campaign, we sold approximately 1 million buy one, get one pizza set. For a limited time, we also offered new pizza flavors modeled on popular Chinese dishes, such as Ziba pizza with pickled vegetables, Suan Cai Hai Lu Yu, and spicy stir-fried pork pizza, Ma La Xiang Guo. These innovative products were Pizza has take on localization, and position us to attract young consumers who love to try new things. Moving on to coffee, our third growth engine. We are very excited about our deepened partnership with La Barza. This 126-year-old Italian brand offers a truly authentic Italian experience. Our Italian coffee exclusively uses high-quality Lavazza beans roasted in Torino, Italy. In addition to coffee, customers love the delicious food. Popular items like Emiliano, which is toast sandwich, and mini croissants with ham and cheese are made fresh in our fully equipped kitchen. The high proportion of food, which is 25%, contributes to a higher ticket average. At the end of September, we had 26 Lavazza stores in four top-tier cities. We expand beyond Shanghai to Hangzhou, Beijing, and Guangzhou, where our stores receive great customer feedback. Our first Beijing store is already ranked the most popular cafe in Taoyuan district. Encouraged by the positive results, we expect to enter into more top-tier cities and more than double our current store base in the fourth quarter. Despite recent challenges, our commitment to China's long-term growth remains unshaken. We are always planning for the future and have been executing on the strategies outlined during our September Investor Day. 
Despite the difficulties posed by the outbreak, we work diligently to build our store pipeline. We now expect to open over 1,700 gross new stores in 2021, up from 1,300. I'm also excited about our investment in Hangzhou Catering Service Group. This will allow us to accelerate growth across our brand in Zhejiang province. Lastly, we continue to enhance capabilities in supply chain and digital. These are our stores, uh, these are our core enablers for sustainable growth in the long term. Last week, we opened our digital R&D center with three sites in Shanghai, Nanjing, and Xi'an. The center is a key part of our strategy to build a dynamic digital ecosystem. The R&D center will consolidate and expand dedicated resources to develop solutions and services to optimize customer experience and operating efficiency. We plan to invest 100 to 200 million and to employ up to 500 staff over the next five years for this particular initiative. As for supply chain, in addition to the logistics center in Chengdu, we have another one under construction in Huai'an, which is in Jiangsu province. There are also several sites in the pipeline. As we mentioned during the investor day, we plan to operate about 45 to 50 logistics centers and consolidation centers over the next several years to support our expansion and to further increase efficiency. With that, I will turn the call over to Andy. Thank you, Joey, and hello, everyone. Let me first review our third quarter financial performance and then discuss this year's outlook. Unless noted otherwise, all percentage changes are before the effects of foreign exchange. Let me first cover the third quarter performance. Actual results are in line with the business update we released in mid-September. Third quarter performance was disrupted by the Delta variance outbreak, resulting in same-store sales decline of 7% year-over-year. However, we still deliver positive revenue growth and system sales growth, which is led by new unit contributions. Total revenues grew 2% year-over-year and reached $2.55 billion. System sales increased 1%. Similar to prior quarters, we are providing performer measures here for convenience comparison with 2019. Same-store sales were approximately 87% of the third quarter 2019 level. KFC's same-store sales were approximately 92% of the last year level and 87% of the 2019 level. With same-store traffic at approximately 82% of 2019 level, average ticket price uh, ticket grew roughly 6% versus 2019, mainly due to the increase in delivery mix. These same-store sales were approximately 95% of last year and 89% of 2019 level. Same store set traffic is on par with the 2019 level, while average ticket decreased by about 10%. Driven by the increased mix in off-premise occasions, which have a lower ticket than dine-in. KFC was likely more affected than Pizza Hut again this quarter, as KFC has a higher store mix in transportation and tourist locations. These locations experienced a sharp decline in sales, down approximately 40% on a two-year basis in the quarter. Restaurant margin was 12.2%, down 640 basis points compared to last year. This was mainly caused by sales deleveraging, more value promotions, high wages, and increased delivery costs associated with more delivery orders as well as lower COVID-related relief this year. Cost of sales was 32.2%, 100 basis on higher than last year. Modest decline in commodity prices year-over-year partially offset the step-up value promotions to drive customer traffic. And phasing out of plastic packaging 
and other packaging upgrades. Cost of labor was 25.6%, 400 basis points higher than last year. This is due to a few factors. First, wage inflation was 6% in the quarter, notably higher than the previous quarters. Second, increased delivery volume contributed to higher labor cost percentages. Third, additional labor hours were scheduled going into the third quarter, which is typically a seasonally strong trading period for us. We also scheduled more labor hours for increased safety protocol during the outbreak. We were quick to adjust labor scheduling to mitigate the sales leveraging impact. Occupancy and order was 30%, 140 basis points higher than last year, mainly attributable to the sales deleveraging impact. In addition, we received 10 million COVID-related one-time relief in the third quarter last year, while the amount was only 2 million this year. GNA expenses increased 6% year-over-year, mainly due to high compensation costs and increased headcount. In the quarter, with offering profit of 178 million US dollars, excluding a non-cash reimbursement gain of our existing equity interest in Labasa Joint Venture of 10 million dollars, adjusted offering profit was 168 million dollars, a 52% decrease year-over-year, or a 48% decrease compared to 2019. Our effective tax rate is 28.3%. We maintain the full year effective tax rate outlook at 27 to 29%. Net income was $104 million, and adjusted net income was $96 million. Excluding $32 million net investment loss of May 20, it was $128 million, down 50% year over year. Diluted EPS was $0.24, cents. mark to market loss in late one, negatively impacted our diluted EPS by seven cents. In the quarter, we returned $85 million to shareholder in the form of cash dividends and share repurchases. As we look ahead to the fourth quarter, we remain cautious. Strict public health measures are still in effect. Consumers are cautious about spending and are traveling less. According to government statistics, for the seven-day National Day holiday starting October 1st, the number of travelers was down 2% compared to the same period last year and down 30% versus 2019. Related travel spending was down 40% compared to 2019. While we are seeing a slight sequential recovery of same-store sales, is still remain below prior year and pre-COVID 2019 level. As overall, dine-in volume and traffic at transportation hubs are still significantly impacted. We expect the recovery of same-store sales to take time with a non-linear and uneven path. Recently, we have seen a resurgence of cases across 12 provinces and municipalities, including Inner Mongolia, Gansu, and Beijing. We will continue to monitor the development and stay agile. In addition, the fourth quarter is seasonally the smallest quarter for sales and profit margin. Based on what we are seeing so far, we expect the margin and offering profit in the fourth quarter to be significantly impacted by, one, sales deleveraging, as same soft sales remain below prior year and pre-COVID levels. Rising commodity prices. Since the fourth quarter of 2020, we have benefited from a deflationary environment, which will very likely end in the fourth quarter. Cost of sales will also pressure by aggressive campaigns as we continue to drive traffic through attractive promotion. Three, wage inflation, which is expected to be in the mid-single-digit range. Wider costs are likely to to continue to increase as delivery trends further upward. 
Please note that the fourth quarter last year include several one-time items, including one COVID and other one-time relief from government and landlord, almost $13 million. Two, lower staffing level due to shortage of part-time workers. These are unlikely to repeat this year. Now, despite the near-term challenges, we remain committed to driving long-term growth. In the short term, we will focus on keeping our operation agile and resilient in the face of considerable disruptions and uncertainty caused by the pandemic. For the long run, we'll focus on fortifying our competitive mode and growing our business and making continuous improvement in our business model and store operation. We have a strong track record of managing our cost structure and growing our business profitably over the years. We'll continue to focus on product innovation and leveraging the strength in our supply chain to mitigate the impact of commodity price swing. On the COL fund, we'll continue to invest in technology, automation, and digital infrastructure to improve labor productivity. On the other hand, the near-term challenges, while tough for the restaurant industry as a whole, also create favorable conditions for us to expand our store network and capture growth opportunities. As Joey mentioned, we now expect to open 1,700 new units in 2021, almost five stores per day. We're maintaining our previous capital expenditure target of $700 to $800 million, which benefited from our ongoing efforts to reduce capex spending per new store. Looking ahead, we will continue to invest in accelerating growth and fortifying our resiliency as outlined at the Investor Day in September. We will provide you details on 2020 targets during our fourth quarter earning release in early 2020. With that, I will pass you back to Michelle to start the Q&A. Michelle? Thanks, Andy. We will now open the call for questions. In order to give us as many people as possible the chance to ask questions, please limit your questions to one at a time. Lyndon, please start the Q&A. As a reminder to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Your first question comes from Michelle Chang from Goldman Sachs. Your line is open. Uh, hi, Joey Andy. Uh, thank you for taking my questions. Uh, my question is about uh, the commodity cost inflation. So we hear many companies uh, starting to talk about price hike recently. So understanding the consumption sentiment is still very challenging. So uh, can you share with us uh, your pricing strategy? And also uh, compare with the previous uh, chicken cost inflation cycle back in uh, 1819 uh, when we managed the, the margin pretty well. So what could be the difference uh, now versus the the past experience. Thank you. Um, good morning, Michelle. Thank you for your questions. Um, regarding pricing, uh, you know, as we have a long-term sort of pricing strategy uh, here at Young China, we want to provide good food at you know uh, good value for consumers. And so, you know, uh, you know, over the years, we always have you know uh, be very cautious about you know price increase. We do pass through partial, you know, inflation to investor uh, for, for consumer, but mostly we will try to find efficiency in our operation to offset those uh, inflationary pressure. Now, you know, um, if you look back, you know, in the last few years, obviously there's commodity price, you know, uh, fluctuations, right? Sometimes it go up, sometimes it come down. Uh, and then, you know, over the years in China, we always have seen, you know, uh, labor inflation, right? So, you know, labor inflation generally is in the mid uh, single digit to you know sort of high single digit range, um, and I think you know sometimes you know when there's a sudden surge or, or disruptions in the market, you know then you do see you know the impact on our margin. You know for our quarter, this quarter for example, the biggest impact obviously is our sales, right? Because of COVID outbreak, and so you have a, a deleveraging impact, which is you know disproportionately you know impacting the margin, um, and then you know. So if you think about commodity prices, we generally have a very, uh, you know, in, over time we will have you know, new product innovations, how to make use, you know, our, our, uh, our material better. Uh, we would also, you know, have uh, diversifying, uh, you know, the different uh, uh, proteins, right? So we have 
chicken now, we have, you know, uh, bees, we have uh, duck and, you know, variety of fish and, and other seafood. So, you know, that help also help us to, you know, to balance, you know, the, you know, the, the commodity price increase over time. Uh, and then, obviously, we have a strong supply chain. Uh, we always work with our uh, supplier uh, closely to try to mitigate some of this pricing fluctuation. Uh, we generally have a, you know, sort of like, you know, place our order uh, or sign a contract a quarter or two ahead, you know, of, uh, uh, you know, of the, you know, the quarter so that, um, you know, we, we sort of know how to uh, manage that uh, uh, cost increase over time. Uh, and then we also work with our, our supplier, obviously, to, you know, when good time, you know, they, the price go up, you know, they, you know, they, they just have to earn a little less. Uh, and, you know, when time is bad, we, you know, we also have to try to support them. Uh, so over, over, over time, we have a stable supply chain situation for them and for us as well. So that's generally how, how we deal with it. And in terms of labor, uh, inflations, you know, we over the year, you know, we, you have seen that, you know, we have invested quite a bit in digital automations and technologies uh, in our infrastructure. Overall, is trying to improve labor productivity. As we have outlined it, you know, in the investor day, you see, you have seen Layla have presented, you know, how technology help us, uh, you know, sort of like uh, improve labor productivity. So, you know, a few years ago, we have 400,000 plus employees. Uh, today, we have similar number of uh, employees, but we have, you know, significantly high number of staff. So, you know, our labor productivity has improved. So if you look at our use margin or, or, or uh, you know, look at our restaurant margin, it has remained markedly stable, right? So, you know, I think in 2016, it was roughly 15% uh, range, uh, you know, and then, you know, and then in 2019, it was about, uh, about 16%, and then last year was about, you know, 15%. So, uh, all in all, we over time we're able to manage, uh, you know, all these different cost components, uh, the cost structure very well, uh, making that uh, margin. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. That's clear. Your next question comes from Milian Liu from Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Uh, thanks, management. Um, my question is more on the. Uh, um, the uh, capex plan, because uh, we definitely increased the gross new opening uh, quite a lot versus the previous guidance, but maintained the capex overall. Um, so maybe a little more detail. I know that company talked about this um, uh, for some times in terms of the uh, unit capex per store with this uh, small uh, format model. Uh, but can you share with us a little bit more about details of um, what have we been uh, doing in the recent quarters uh, in terms of the unit capex and the unit economics versus before that caused us um, attending the similar capex with uh, much more uh, count of uh, stores. Thank you. Um, thank you, Lillian. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, this quarter we, we did set up, uh, you know, our uh, capex for the whole year, I we already, you know, is probably higher than last year. We I think uh, our capex, uh, you know, year to date is about four hundred and eighty million dollar, uh, and uh, and I think um, I'll just check that number here. Um, yeah. So uh, so you know, um, obviously as we have outlined in our capital expenditure plan uh, in our investor day. Uh, investment, you know, for capex is to drive organic growth and also to build, you know, competitive mode. So that's, you know, multiple components to it. So one is obviously store network opening, uh, and we are accelerating that. And as we have mentioned before, we have over the past few years we have, you know, reduced, you know, the uh, capex per store uh, upfront investment. Uh, so you know, if you think about, you know, a few years back, uh, you know, our capex per store was about two point five million RMB. Uh, and then you know now is you know under uh, three million RMB, close to two point five million dollar RMB. And you know as we continue to, uh, there's two drivers for that. Right, one's obviously uh, you know the size of the stock change. The other one is the overall per store footage uh, cost reduction. And so you know our team work very hard, our run team, our brand team work very hard uh, to, to do that, to make it more efficient. Um, so, so I think you know, uh, with our new smaller uh, store format, for example, you know, Pizza Hut, uh, you have the new town models and, and 
small, small, you know, small format catering to what delivery and take away, I think we still have some opportunity to further to reduce that, you know, capex per store uh, going forward. Uh, also, you know, the other component obviously is, you know, remodeling. Uh, I think, you know, that uh, over time will continue to trend up just because we have a bigger portfolio of stock. And then the third part is, you know, uh, you know, investment in supply chain and infrastructure, as we have outlined uh, before, and 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 and, and invest there uh, is to drive efficiencies, resiliency in our supply chain, is to drive labor productivity improvement through, you know, investment in technology, digitalization, and, and et cetera. And so, uh, so I don't think that's material change to our plan. Uh, so hopefully, um, you know, uh, we can give you more update next quarter in terms of our full year uh, capex spend. Thank you, Lillian. Um, I just add a few comments on this one, Lillian. Uh, for, for today, we um, update the new store guidance for the year from last quarter 1,300 store to 1,700 store for the year. But we did not increase the capex spend um, for the year. Uh, it's still Stay at 700 to 800 million range. So what happened here? Um, what happened here? Obviously, um, as you guys know us quite well, we don't chase after a blind store number. We open good quality stores. If we can find a good quality store with additional uh, um, uh, profit and sales, um, then we will open it. Uh, so so. In terms of store economics here, uh, I would like to give you uh, three comments. One is uh, the store, the smaller store, uh, are driven by increase off-premise mix, uh, means a delivery and a takeaway. So that the smaller store helps that business, and the smaller store helps us uh, uh, increase the store density in the top tier city in particular. So these are the store, the KFC smaller store. And also, these stores um, with the lower investment and, and incremental sales and profit, it helps penetrate into the smaller cities uh, because we have a variety of different business models for, for, uh, for different locations. Uh, so number two comments, it's normal that these smaller stores have smaller sales per unit, uh, but uh, as I mentioned earlier, it drives incremental sales and profit, and it demands less capex per store, as Andy mentioned earlier. Uh, so it's the payback is healthy. Um, so you know that KFC payback is always about two years, and Pizza Hut right now, if you uh, notice what I said earlier, is the Pizza Hut, the store payback is at three years now in total. Uh, that is improvement uh, because in the past we always uh, you know, uh, concluded the payback for Pizza Hut by about three to four years. So now has improved to three years because the small store, the Pizza Satellite store right now, the payback is at two to three years. So in total, the improvement is at three years. So I hope that gives you a sense about uh, why uh, we are uh, uh, increasing uh, the new store guidance for the year uh, because if we look at our system sales growth number, um, it, it also tells the story uh, for, for the entire Young China versus 2020, we are uh, driving 15% year-to-date same store sales growth. And that includes 12% year-to-date system sales growth for KFC and 20% system sales growth year-to-date for Pizza Hut. And then for KFC, even compared to 2019, uh, for year today, we are also achieving 4% system sales growth, despite all the challenges of the outbreak and all the things of that. So um, uh, let me conclude the question here. Thank you, Lillian. Thanks a lot, Joey. And then Dean is very detailed and helpful. Your next question comes from Xiaopo Wei from CT. Your line is open. Hi, good morning, Julie and Andy. Uh, I have a very brief question on your acquisition. Uh, in the press release this morning, you mentioned that you acquired 28% stake in Hangzhou Catering Services, which operating a few great local Chinese brands. My question is, will you opening some store on standalone basis under those brands, uh, pursuing to any arrangement with the Hangzhou Catering 
um, company, or you are more looking at bringing those great local cuisine like a Zhiwei Guan and etc. Uh, to your existing KFC stores or Pizza Hut to diversify a portfolio to bring more great local food to the Chinese consumers. So any color would be highly appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Xiaopo. Um, so we have been working with Hanzhou Catering, this company, for a few decades now. <laughs> this is our joint venture partner uh, of Hanzhou uh, KFC stores, uh, and Hangzhou market is one of our best market in terms of sales and profit. And we are very grateful that we have the opportunity uh, to invest uh, 28% into the Hangzhou catering, and that enable us to uh, achieve consolidation of Hangzhou KFC business, which is about 700 stores with future very nice um, expansion uh, opportunity ahead. So that's, that's point one. Uh, the point two is, uh, while Hangzhou um, catering has other businesses such as Zui uh, Guan and, and uh, Puyong Guan, et cetera, our focus is still on our KFC business. Uh, in terms of future cooperation, uh, we do see cooperation in two areas. One is um, working with them on uh, their central kitchen or factory, whatever you call it. Uh, they have very high quality uh, facilities in there. And actually, we did already work with them. Our Xiaolongbao launch in Hangzhou market, Ziwei Guan Bao. guess what? <laughs> they, were, uh, they were produced by the uh, central kitchen or the factory uh, of Hangzhou Catering. The second area we see we are going to uh, further expand our cooperation is store opening uh, because uh, another key shareholder of Hangzhou Catering is a, is a very um, successful and important uh, player in the uh, commercial properties in Zhejiang province. And we already work with them uh, to open our first and the most uh, most important flashy store for Lavaza uh, in Hangzhou. So these are the two areas that we certainly will see um, us uh, uh, accelerate our cooperation on top of uh, KFC um, uh, store expansion in Zhejiang province and particularly Hangzhou. Thank you. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from Chan Lu from Bank of America. Your line is open. Uh, thank you, Joey and Andy. Uh, my question is on the margin side. Uh, our Q3 restaurant margin saw over 60% beyond the decline. Uh, I understand uh, that it has been negatively impacted by the COVID outbreak uh, in the quarter. However, uh, if we look at Q2 and Q3 last year, we had a similar or even higher sales for sales growth decline, but our margin trends were better back then. I'm just curious to get more color on the different dynamics behind. Uh, in particular, our labor cost ratio was up 4% year on year, which was higher than the magnitude of labor cost increase in Q1 last year, uh, which was the worst time of the COVID outbreak. Uh, apart from the weak inflation and sales delivery, can you actually elaborate a bit more on other reasons uh, for us to better understand uh, the, re uh, the, the dynamics behind the labor cost increase? Uh, in addition, uh, our occupancy and other cost ratio have also increased. Normally, in normal times, it is always trending down and serves as a big driver to our median margin. Uh, so do we still see further room of cost savings on this line item in the future, barring ordinary situations like this this time? Thank you. Thank you, Xinglu, um, for your question. Um, I think um, let me let me I, 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 let me try to um, address you know the question here. Um, 
first of all, I think before you know we go into you know the digital online item, I want to really emphasize that you know sales leveraging is real. You know uh, we run a restaurant business, so when sales come down, and it would have impact you know on our labor costs and on our O&O. Uh, so you know I don't want any misunderstanding. I don't really have done very well over the last couple of years, and last year was also some uh, some special situation, obviously. Um, so let me address that here on, uh, for example, on the cost of labor or on the sales dynamic. Um, you know, if you, you know, look back in, you know, for example, uh, in 2020, right, uh, you know, we, as we have mentioned at that time, we have a very strong, uh, strong sales tr uh, trading going into the Chinese New Year uh, period in 2020. 2020. Um, you know, and, you know, the, the you know, the, Period before Chinese New Year and during Chinese New Year normally is a very important, very, very good trading season for us. For both you know, have sales and profitability. So we we have the benefit at that time for that first month. Uh, okay. So because if you recall, we, uh, you know the outbreak was right around uh, you know Chinese New Year period. So the timing different. Uh, in terms of you know, uh, for example, this quarter, for example, uh, in the third quarter, uh, the outbreak happened and impacted the full quarter at the beginning to the end, okay? So, so you, you, we have this full quarter impact, you know, in the same trading uh, situation there. So that's, that's why, you know, when you have a, a very profitable quarter, for example, uh, you know, especially for us, you know, which is uh, August and, and July and August time period before they go back to school, uh, you know, that, that sales trading would have an impact on the sales leverage. The other one is commodity prices, obviously. Um, you know, this year we have a couple of things that uh, is, is going to impact us. Um, uh, one is, you know, as we have mentioned before, that uh, we're facing our plastic in our packaging. Uh, we have mentioned that last year that's going to have an impact on us. Um, you know, uh, and then uh, when we look at, uh, you know, the, the other part of sales leveraging, obviously, you know, we have all this infrastructure uh, to deliver product to our restaurant. So when sales leveraging happens, you know, going to impact, you know, the, the, you know, the cost per package, for example, that they live at the restaurant. Um, and then if you look at labor, for example, uh, labor, uh, you know, this year, as we have mentioned uh, in last quarter, uh, we raised, you know, our uh, staff uh, wage, uh, you know, in June and July. Uh, that's after, you know, sort of like holding it back and trying to control the cost for their, you know, 2000 and first half of the year. Um, you know, our, so at that time, you know, our labor inflation was about 2 3%, uh, in the third quarter is about 6 7% uh, increase, uh, so it's, it's higher. Uh, and then, um, you know, another thing that's uh, very important to notice is that uh, we, as I mentioned on our prepared remarks, um, because it's, it's, it's a peak trading season, so we have planned, you know, some of the labor scheduling ahead of time. Uh, the other part is that, you know, during the outbreak, uh, we also have to step up uh, staffing to make sure that, you know, we have, you know, even tightened up, you know, our follow-up that, you know, tightening up uh, uh, protocol, health protocol, uh, right? So to measure temperature, to check, you know, throughout the whole, uh, to do more frequent, you know, table cleaning, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, so that's, that's the, um, still our impact there. Um, and then, oh, and oh, and oh, you know, for, you know, obviously, we, we have some wearable costs, but, you know, whenever you open a restaurant, you're going to have utility costs, uh, you're going to have, um, uh, you know, some of the uh, rent, right? Rent is some of the stakes and some of the wearable. So, again, you're going back to that, uh, you know, self-development impact uh, on, on, on the margin. Um, I think in the longer run, I think, you know, we have been able to manage, uh, you know, the cost structure quite well. Uh, we have seen, obviously, as I mentioned before, uh, commodity price fluctuations, uh, you know, labor, you know, cost increase. Uh, again, you know, going back to what we do best, we're working with, you know, our team, our food innovation team to introduce good products at great value for consumer. Uh, one example that, uh, that we have recently done is, you know, we have a, a, a fried, you know, chicken bone uh, as a snack, the whole cage. Right? Yeah. Right? So, so, so that's a great way to utilize, you know, uh, obviously uh, part of the, you know, chicken that uh, we have not used previously. Uh, we also use that for, for example, soup, right? So, uh, so, part innovation is very important for us, and we'll continue to do that. 
uh, working with supply chain is very important. I think a couple of years ago, when price, you know, again, was searching uh, or coming down, we have mentioned consistently before that we work with our supplier uh, for the long term. So we help each other, you know, in good time and bad time. And so, so in that case, we will help us to sort of mitigate, not completely eliminate uh, the impact, but we'll try to mitigate that. So we'll continue to do that working with our supply chain uh, on, on COL. And COL, obviously, is very important. You notice that, you know, uh, delivery costs, uh, volume uh, go up uh, in pandemic. Uh, it's going to have an impact on COS, uh, so COL. Uh, but we're able to manage that long term. But, you know, sometimes some of the short term change in the, you know, delivery and sign-in mix would also have an impact. Uh, so, again, we're going to invest in, you know, technology, uh, infrastructure automation, uh, including, you know, uh, investment in our uh, delivery and make it more efficient, right? So, food production, queuing for, for, for food production, uh, you know, the route, uh, you know, optimization for our rider, uh, you know, trace zone, you know, how we design the trace zone and all that. So we're trying to continue to make that operation more efficient. Uh, thank you, thank you for, for the helpful color. Uh, and I also look forward to uh, having a try on Shenyang Pizza when I'm in China next time. Is this just a nationwide and launch or just offered in, in northeastern China? And many other products, Bula Tang, Le Gan, all of these are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you, Shenyang. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Your next question comes from Anne Ling from Jeffries. Your line is open. Hey, thank you. Um, hi, management team. Um, also, questions you know regarding your acquisition, um, the Hangzhou, uh, Hangzhou Catering Group. Um, does it mean that um, you are now owning um, seventy-three percent of the company? So, um, so meaning that you know moving forward, you consolidate that seven hundred um, store. In terms of sales and, and, and operating profit, and then you, you take out your minority uh, at the at minority line. Um, so, in the, uh, if this is the case, uh, number one is that you know, would there be any um, exceptional gain uh, on the revaluation of your KFC um, uh, like um, uh, uh, investment or sub subsidiary that, um, uh, uh, in the four Q? Second question is like you know, how should we be expecting? In terms of the sales and um, or, or the operating profit impact, is it? I, I, I mean, being in Guang, uh, in Hangzhou, um, their sales per store possibly will be higher. So, um, and what will be the profitability impact like? And 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 the and the and the minor question is regarding um, if it is probably an associate. Then um, I'm not sure my calculation is correct. It seems that uh, third quarter uh, it was a loss of six million. So I'm not sure whether it is related to the Hangzhou um, uh, uh, business or it is something else. Thank you. Uh, sorry, and like the last part, I didn't get it. Like, what was the six million dollar related to? Oh, the six million loss is the associate, the equity contribution um, below the operating profit line. So it's the equity contribution from from your investment. It's and. It's in the cash flow in your. Uh, okay, so 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 may, I I didn't quite understand the question, so we may have to take that question offline. Um, oh, so uh, but I will try to address you know the the first questions. I think you know first of all like you know uh, we did not acquire uh, Hangzhou Catering. We invest you know uh, you know twenty five percent twenty eight percent you know in Hangzhou Catering. Uh, so, so we we have a twenty eight percent stake in that company, not not acquisition of that company. Uh, the ah, other part okay. is that, uh, but but because of that, and also because of you know, uh, you know, uh, you know the some of other public government arrangements. So now we actually have you know uh, basically control of the Hangzhou uh, JB, and so so now we will consolidate that. And uh, and you're correct, similar to uh, prior, uh, you know. Uh, 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 consolidation of our JV at Wuxi and Suzhou. Uh, generally, uh, you know, uh, we would have a immersion gain, uh, you know, because you know, obviously it was a very successful uh, JV, right? So, uh, you know, but uh, you know, it is kind of complicated accounting. Uh, it's rare to business combination, right? So, uh, mm -hmm. it's uh, under U.S. gap. Uh, even though you only acquire a a portion of the stake, 
uh, you know, you generally treat it as a, you know, combination of business. Uh, and then you treat it as a whole, you know, you know, what's the gain uh, of your entire, you know, consultation, your portion of that. So it's not just a proportion, you know, to the interest that you acquire, but you know, the overall uh, company. And so that's why normally you would see this disproportionate, uh, you know, uh, measurement gain. Uh, and then eventually it will flow into the balance sheet, uh, you know, because, you know, obviously it's based on, uh, you know, the acquisition or, or combination allocation. And so generally we see an increase in goodwill uh, as well as, you know, intangible. Uh, so, you know, and that process is similar to uh, our, our uh, treatment of that in Suzhou and Bukhi. Okay. And so I, you know, if you want more detail, I would refer you, you know, you to you know, our uh, filing, uh, you know, that Q and the thank you, the pancake statement. It will have more detailed explanation and a technical explanation, mm -hmm. you know, of the kind of treatment of such a, a combination. And just to be very clear, we um, have um, um, originally a minority control of our Hanzhou joint venture, uh, of KFC. With the additional 28% investment into Hangzhou catering, uh, we will, uh, China, uh, will control and consolidate the Hangzhou KFC with approximately 60% equity interest directly and indirectly. That's right. And yeah, so, and then in terms of the impact, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it would not impact the system sales. Uh, you know, it would probably, you know, increase that. Uh, but in terms of, uh, you know, the profitability or, or would that increase that, uh, we're still assessing it because, as we mentioned, you know, there would be some, you know, amortization coming from uh, this and then also the measurement of, you know, the franchise right is a lot of complicated, so we're still assessing it, uh, it's, you know, uh, but we were similar to, as we mentioned, to the impact of, you know, consolidation of, you know, like the accounting impact would be similar to that of, you know, Suzhou and, right, but, uh, but in terms of profit, it's not as straightforward as, you know, it's going to be immediately be a pretty positive. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Uh, thank you very much. Sure. Presenters, there are no further questions at this time. Oh, thank you for uh, joining the call today. Then we look forward to speaking with you on the next earnings call. Have a great day. Thank you all. Thank you, Thank everyone. You.